What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are talking about 2023 versions of 2022's biggest breakouts with my co-host, as always, Ben Wolby. Today, we are talking about five players each, so we have 10 total about guys that we saw breakout in 2022, and we believe that we found the 2023 versions of the guys that are going to do the same thing this year. So, Ben, we'll lead off with you. Who is the first guy that broke out in 2022 that you found a similar version of for this year? 2023's version of the 2022 Joe Burrow is Trevor Lawrence, a young quarterback breaking out with elite wide receiver talent in his second season. Joe Burrow was the QB8, just like Trevor Lawrence was last year. And Joe Burrow finished as the QB4 last year. And that's exactly what I think we're going to see from Trevor Lawrence, a top five quarterback finish. In year three, Joe Burrow's main difference was how Jamar Chase was used. He played five fewer games in 2022, but he saw more targets and more receptions driven by a lower average depth of target to feed him the ball. And Higgins became the deep ball threat. And Boyd was already a top slot wide receiver, which gave Burrow a ton of options to pick apart defenses and spread around the ball. But this isn't about Burrow. This is about how Trevor Lawrence finds himself in that exact same situation with the addition of Calvin Ridley. If Trevor Lawrence is able to spread the ball around because Calvin Ridley returns to being the elite player he once was on the football field, Trevor Lawrence should easily be able to pick apart defenses just like Joe Burrow did last year. And Alex, I've got to ask, where do you stand on Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I'm I'm a big person on Calvin Ridley. I actually think that Calvin Ridley is going to be the 2023 version of last year's AJ Brown. And we saw how AJ Brown elevated Jalen Hurts and how much that took their offense to new heights. I think that Calvin Ridley is going to do the same for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the biggest thing that Jordan Vanek of the 33rd team pointed out was just that in college, 60% of Trevor Lawrence's college passing touchdowns came on corner, post, and vertical routes. And that is where 54% of Calvin Ridley's touchdowns have come. Don't forget, there are over double-digit route combinations, and half of Ridley's com- touchdowns have come on those three routes, very similar to where Lawrence likes to throw the ball. Trevor Lawrence also elevated every player around him last year. Christian Kirk had a career high with a wide receiver 11 finish. Zay Jones finished as the wide receiver 26. That was his career high, and Evan Ingram was the tight end five, also tied for a career high. So all Lawrence did last year was elevate everyone around him. All he's going to do is elevate Ridley. And then you bring in the best wide receiver of that entire bunch and you add them in to this Jaguars offense. If Kirk and and Zay Jones were the wide receiver 11 and 26, just imagine what Ridley and Christian Kirk could be together. I think they're going to be an even more improved duo, especially with a year three Trevor Lawrence. And when you talk about elevating offenses too, Calvin Ridley is going to be able to elevate this offense just like he was able to elevate Matt Ryan's game. We saw that when Calvin Ridley was on the field back when he was on the Falcons, Matt Ryan's air yards per attempt increased by over 20%. His yards per attempt went up, his touchdown to interception ratio was better, and his passer rating was better because Calvin Ridley, defenses fear him and quarterbacks Get the ball to him and everybody else when he's on the field. Not to mention, we can also expect to see from Trevor Lawrence a step forward in Doug Peterson's second season as the Jaguars head coach. Just like we saw Carson Wentz, he went nuclear in 2018 under Doug Peterson, and that was their second year together as well. So Trevor Lawrence really should take a step forward in Doug Peterson's second year. Alex, any other thoughts on these Jaguars players? Yeah, I think, again, you have to draft them. Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, 
and Trevor Lawrence is going to be a dynamite trio in fantasy football this year. I think that is the biggest takeaway. Ben, who's the next guy that you think could be another 2023 version of last year's breakout? One of the biggest stars from last year had to have been Jamal Williams. And thankfully, we don't have to look too far to find the 2023 version because he's playing the same exact role. It is David Montgomery. That is the same offense last year as is this year. The offense is identical with two major differences, and that's going to be the running back room. But the Lions signed two running backs who profile identical to the running backs of last season. We have Jameer Gibbs, who fills that DeAndre Swift rusher receiver goal uh, in Jameer Gibbs. And then we have a bruiser in David Montgomery who saw more than half of the bears running back red zone carries last year. Now on the team with the second most running back red zone carries. So in my mind, because David Montgomery has always been an efficient running back in the red zone, he's going to finish top 10 in red zone touches. And I've said this for a few weeks, Jameer Gibbs isn't handling the red zone carries. We know that David Montgomery is going to have that role. And if we look at the top 10 running backs by red zone carries from last year, the lowest from a fantasy football perspective was Tyler Algier finishing as the RB22. But the average among all of those top 10 running backs was 14 and a half points per game. And that would have been enough to be the RB7. Keep in mind, Jamal Williams was the RB8. Yeah. Let me let me jump off you real quick. I mean, especially last year, the Lions had 90 red zone rushing attempts and Jameer Gibbs in college never saw more than 35 percent of his team's carries in total. Jamal Williams also had 38 goal to go carries last year. That means that David Montgomery is going to see two thirds of the carries in this offense. I think that he is going to feast. But let's take it one step further. I put this out on Twitter this morning as we were recording this. And David Montgomery last year actually led the NFL in missed tackles forced per attempt. He was number one forcing a missed tackle on 31% of his attempts per fantasy points data. Jamal Williams last year was ranked 41st, making guys missed on only 12% of his attempts. I think David Montgomery is going to be an improved version, especially when David Montgomery has finished as a top 24 running back every year of his career going outside the top 24. I think the math is pretty simple there. I think that he is really great. Another guy I think that's really great, going to take another step, is Rashad Penny. I mean, Rashad Penny led all running backs in percentage of runs to go for at least 15 yards in 2021. But next-gen stats put out some really good information on Rashad Penny among all running backs over the last two years. Rashad Penny ranks first in yards per carry, first in yards after contact, first in rushing yards over expected per carry, and first in rushing expected points added. Now he joins this Eagles offensive line, and my good friend Deepak Chona, who's an injury fantasy analyst, talked about how none of Rashad Penny's injuries would hurt him towards his production in future years, and I think that this is going to finally be the year that he breaks this injury-prone label. Right, do you have any concerns about DeAndre Swift? I know he doesn't quite fill that exact role that Rashad Penny takes, but J Jalen Hurts loves to run the ball. DeAndre Swift, he is a talented rusher when he's had opportunities, albeit not a ton, but the Eagles go out and they trade for this guy that we really want to see get the ball uh, uh, in DeAndre Swift. So where, where do you stand on DeAndre Swift? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with DeAndre Swift is just the fact that he's not going to see the high-level touches that he probably deserves. Like, I would love to see it from him, but I think it's going to be similar to them, the Lions last year, using Jamal Williams in the goal line. It's going to be Rashad Penny. I know they have the tush push, and that's definitely going to be a part of that offense, but I think that the point is, in between the tackles, more times than not, they're going to use Rashad Penny, who's been the most efficient running back in the NFL. And the last point I'd like to make on that is just the fact that Rashad Penny's going around the running back 40 range right now. 
So we don't need him to automatically, you know, be a top 10 or a top five running back in fantasy football. But the role that he's going to see behind this offensive line, and if he stays healthy, he is almost a lock to beat his average draft position for this year. Alex and I have two more running backs we're really excited to talk about. But first, we're going to talk about two wide receivers that are going to be stars this season. Last year, we saw Tyler Lockett finish as the wide receiver 13. And I think the 2023 version of Tyler Lockett is going to be Chris Godwin. Not that I think he's going to finish as a top 24 wide receiver. I just simply mean he is a slot wide receiver who is going to have a better fantasy season than his wide out counterpart in Mike Evans. We saw Tyler Lockett outscoring DK Metcalf last year, which was a shock to many of us. And I don't think that Chris Godwin outscoring Mike Evans would be a huge surprise. He's currently being drafted ahead of Mike Evans, but I do think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are are in that same exact situation that uh, we saw in the Seahawks offense last year with the quarterback situation and just the murky offense as a whole. But the reason I'm most interested in Chris Godwin is because of Baker Mayfield's tendencies. uh, Mayfield has targeted the slot 38 percent of his pass attempts versus 27 percent to receivers lined out wide and if we consider his efficiency numbers when targeting Odell who mostly lined up out wide and Jarvis Landry who is predominantly a slot receiver we know that Landry was Baker Mayfield's most prolific wide receiver in his career and he saw 60 percent of his uh, snaps from out of the slot versus Odell who has never finished as a top 24 wide receiver under Baker Mayfield and lined up in the out wide 80 percent of the time Chris Godwin fits. Yeah, go for it. No, you go ahead. Chris Godwin just fits that mold perfectly, lining up from the slot and has a higher chance, I think, of finishing as the top wide receiver on this offense. Yeah, beyond that, I mean, even last year, if you look at the receiving yards after contact leaders, the guys that make plays once they get the ball in the open field, Chris Godwin was third in receiving yards after contact. The other players in the top five are Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson. What do those four players have in common? They all go as the wide receiver 18 or better in drafts right now. Chris Godwin is the wide receiver 30. But Ben, I have to ask you, what do you think that Chris Godwin's ceiling is? Because Baker Mayfield has notoriously only supported one top 12 wide receiver in his career. It was Jarvis Landry who finished the wide receiver 12. But I know he's a wide receiver 30 price tag right now for Godwin. But like, what do you think is the best case scenario for him this season? I mean, the best case scenario is that he beats ADP. I think as long as he finishes as a wide receiver two, which I think is likely, I don't believe in Mike Evans to finish as a wide receiver two. So one of these guys probably will, but Chris Godwin totally fits that mold of Jarvis Landry, not just of lining up in the slot, but they have similar average depths of targets and Mike Evans. Yes. He has had nine straight 1000 plus yard seasons, but it's hard to see a world where he repeats that when Baker Mayfield basically got Odell Beckham off the team because he could not complete the ball to a guy with a depth of target like that. Completely. I think the guy for me that I think is unfortunately going to not excite fantasy managers as much at the end of the season is Drake London. I think that Drake London is going to be the 2023 version of the past four years of DJ Moore. And I think that he unfortunately is just a super talented player that's going to be getting killed by his quarterback and his team. And I think that the biggest point is Desmond Ritter. I mean, Brian Drake pointed out that Desmond Ritter was number one in off-target throw percentage last year at 27.8%, most in the NFL. He also had the worst completion percentage over expected among any quarterback in the NFL. And Ian Harditz, a fantasy life, pointed out that among 49 quarterbacks in their adjusted completion percentage, 
Desmond Ritter ranked 45th. He was also 48th out of 49 from a clean pocket. And on deep passes, he was also ranked 48th out of 49 quarterbacks. Beyond that, the Falcons last year were bottom five in NFL pass attempts. And only eight wide receivers in the last 10 years finished in the top 12 on a team that was bottom seven in pass attempts. Everyone talks about the fact that they're going to pass more, they're going to pass more. But even if you give them a 20% increase this year, they're still going to be in the bottom seven. And the price tag for Drake London right now going as the wide receiver 22 just does not have a lot of upside considering the passing volume of this team and just how poorly that Desmond Ritter played last year. Do you think there's any chance that Desmond Ritter takes a step forward? You know that I think he does, but we haven't heard your takes, Alex. Will Desmond Ritter prove himself to be able to sustain Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, who are all going top 24, if not top 12 at their position? Yeah, it wouldn't be shocked if he sustained one of them or, or, or two of them, but I just don't think it's all three. I, I think that Bijan's obviously the one because he's going to see more carries. That I think he's going to be the one that's most likely to produce at their ADP. But it really scares me for Kyle Pitts and for Drake London. Best case scenario for me is Desmond Ritter plays really bad, and then all of a sudden Taylor Heineke comes out of the woodwork, and he's shown that he can support top wide receivers and tight ends at least a little bit better than Desmond Ritter probably will at this point. But again, we can digress on that. People do not want to hear me trash Desmond Ritter, especially for the Drake London lovers out there. Absolutely. And I, if you want to hear somebody praise Desmond Ritter, we got a couple episodes where I praise him. Another guy I've been praising a lot on is Joe Mixon, who is going to be the 2023 version of 2022 Josh Jacobs. We were all clamoring for Josh Jacobs to pass the torch last year to Zamir White, but instead he was probably the number one league winner. He finished as an RB1 after being drafted in the fifth round, which by the way, Joe Mixon's ADP fifth round he's finished as an rb1 in every single season that he stayed healthy and he's going in the fifth round because he wasn't great last year he had one good week fueled by five touchdowns that helped pad his 2022 numbers but otherwise he finishes as the rb23 on a points per game basis but still undisputed bell cow in a top five offense he actually broke his career reception numbers in this offense despite losing out 30 percent of his routes post concussion to samaj p Ryan. and josh jacobs he wasn't in a top five offense last year He's an older running back like Mixon, who's being drafted in the fifth round like Mixon, but Mixon finds himself in a better situation on a better offense. And Josh Jacobs still managed to score 12 touchdowns and 2,000 all-purpose yards last year, which Joe Mixon was pacing for 15 touchdowns and 1,600 total yards before his injury last year. Yeah, I mean, beyond that, I mean, one of the biggest things that I hate about people that talk about Joe Mixon is they always point to the fact that he wasn't that great outside of a five-touchdown game. But Scott Barrett for fantasy points has a stat called expected fantasy points. So he they statistically add the points that you should be getting from a fantasy football perspective based on where you are on the field. So targets are worth more than carries. Carries in the red zone or the goal line are worth more than carries at the 50-yard line. And by that expected fantasy points per game, Joe Mixon actually ranked second in the NFL last year behind only Austin Eckler. The other running backs in the top five were – Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Josh Jacobs. Joe Mixon was right on that list. And now Samaj yeah. P. Ryan is gone. His only competition is a fifth-round rookie. And then on top of that, two running backs behind him that have never touched 100 touches in their career. So I think for me, Joe Mixon is still super undervalued. Do you have any final thoughts on Joe Mixon before we move on? 
actually of my own expected fantasy points model where Joe Mixon finished top five and expected fantasy points. So again, he had all of the valuable touches. He was very good. And yeah, fortunately for him, he was able to stay afloat because of that one game. But if he could just distribute his valuable touches across those 17 games that he plays and actually do well in all of them and not just one, he'll still be incredible. He's on uh, one of the best offenses. Like you said, no true competition. And another RB1 season for Mixon is likely, which is why I think he is going to be finishing like the 2022 Josh Jacobs. Now we were talking about Samaj P. Ryan, Alex. I know you have some thoughts there. Yeah, on Samaj P. Ryan, I think that he is going to be the version. I know this is 2022 versions or 2023 versions of the 2022 guys, but I had to cheat a little bit here and say that Samaj P. Ryan is going to be the 2020 version of Mike Davis, who notoriously was being drafted really highly, career backup running back who took over for some games and all of a sudden was really good in fantasy football. I think that Samaj P. Ryan is going to really disappoint people. And the biggest thing is just the fact that he's a journeyman running back and he's not explosive. Samaj P. Ryan has played six seasons in the NFL. His best finish was this year as the running back 34. But he has had touches as a workhorse before or a borderline workhorse where he saw 200 touches all the way back in his rookie season for the at the time Washington Redskins and finished as the running back 44. But my biggest problem is even last year, he just doesn't have the explosiveness that you want from the running back position. He had the lowest explosive run rate in the NFL for running backs. He had just one carry of 15 plus yards on 95 carries. He also was 45th among receivers in plays of 20 plus yards per reception. And ultimately that is just not the type of thing that I want for a running back, especially when Javante Williams for the Broncos could be back week one or probably at worst, he's back around week six or week seven. And I think right now for the running back 30 borderline price tag for Samaj P. Ryan, I just don't like the upside that people are expecting for as long as Javante Williams is out. Even when Javante Williams does come back, though, I don't think we're expecting him just because historically players that come back from this type of injury don't resume to normal efficiency, at least until year two. And when we take a look at Sean Payton and his running back since 2008, the Saints have had over 400 fantasy points more to the running back position than the next closest team under Sean Payton. I mean, look at 2008, we have Reggie Bush, then we had Darren Sproles in 2011, Darren Sproles and Pierre Thomas in 2013, both top 12 guys, not to mention Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Sean Payton has proven that he's capable of sustaining two top running back options. So even if Javante Williams comes back and he is the bell cow, who's to say that Javante Williams won't be good enough over the first six weeks that he has earned his touches and it's more of a split backfield. For me, that's why I am really high on Samaj Pirine. Yeah, completely. I think the only, the last point I'll finish with is just then Sean Payton said some really explosive running backs like that prime Mark Ingram, Prime Alvin Kamara, I just don't think that Samaj P. Ryan is at the same level of those guys. But again, we can move on from the Samaj P. Ryan talk and move into our next guy. So, Ben, who is another person for you you think that could be a big breakout in 2023 that reminds you of someone from last year? You had mentioned, you know, that uh, we're talking about the biggest stars in 2022, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't exactly a star, but I do think that he had some redeeming qualities, and I think that we're going to see those redeeming qualities come through in the form of not a star, but a sky, a sky more. <laughs> Last year, 
Juju Smith-Schuster ranked 18th in total receptions despite ranking 42nd in team target share. He had a 16% team target share. That is, for comparison, right around Mac Hollins to Marcus Robinson, Chase Claypool, and he still had the 18th most receptions. And we all know why. It's Patrick LeVon Mahomes Jr. But Skymore doesn't need to be an elite wide receiver. He doesn't even need to be the first target in this offense. He just needs to be the wide receiver who gets the most targets on Kansas City, and he'll produce. I'm not a Kadarius Tony guy. I'm more of a Skymore guy. Uh, Tony was used kind of like Cole Hardman in the times that we saw him last year. So that wide receiver one upside is there, but Moore had second round draft capital, and Andy Reid was cited just about a month ago saying that Sky Moore was targeted more than any other wide receiver so far between OTAs and mandatory minicamp. Wow. And not to mention, if you took take a look at rookie wide receivers and Andy Reid's offense, they've all taken a step forward in year two on average with two and a half more yards in their second season. And there's some pretty big notable names among rookie wide receivers like Deshaun Jackson, Brent Selleck, Tyree Kill, and Reggie Brown, who all were rookies under Andy Reid. Real quick, just I, I want to ask somewhere to Godwin, like what do you think that – just give me a number of a finish yeah. for at the wide receiver position. Best case scenario, Sky Moore checks all the boxes this year. What is the best possible fantasy finish he has? I mean, best case scenario is they use him like Tyree Kill was used a few years back and he finishes as a wide receiver one. Now, I do not think that is going to happen. I'm glad you're laughing and you're not like, good, because that's not going to happen. I think what's most likely is we see him finish as a flex option as long as he takes a year two step forward. He got some red zone rushes last year. He was used in the red zone. And at his price tag, if he's a reception hog, I would be very happy with him finishing as a flex option. You best believe the second we're done recording the show, I'm going to be emailing old takes exposed and making sure they have the fact that you think the sky more could be another version of Tyreek Hill this year. I, never I, think said that. Really, I, I think you did say it, but another guy Play that back was, to tape, Play Hey, back another, tape. another guy that was a rookie last year that I think could take a step forward this year is Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy is expected fully expected to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers this year. And I think that Brock Purdy reminds me a lot of last year's Tua Tungavailoa in terms of the accuracy and the things that they can do on the fantasy football field because of the weapons around them. So first of all, Brock Purdy last year led the NFL in percentage of throwing guys open in tight windows. What does that mean? That means when guys were tightly covered, Brock Purdy threw to get them open based off his throw at the highest percentage in the entire NFL. I know it was a small sample size, but he was also the QB six from week 14 on. That is over the last five weeks last year. His worst finish, though, was the quarterback 18. So right now you can get him outside the top 20 quarterbacks around the quarterback 26 range. And his worst finish last year was the quarterback 18. Beyond that, Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points noted that he actually led all QBs in fantasy points per drop back. And he was eighth in fantasy points per start. The biggest thing is the fact that he has arguably the best weapons in the entire NFL. He has a top five tight end. He has probably a top five wide receiver duo in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And then he also just happens to have the best running back in the entire NFL in Christian McCaffrey. So if he is semi-decent this year, he is going to put up a pretty big fantasy football season just based off the weapons that he has and hopefully a year two improvement. Where do you see Brock Purdy this year? I love Brock Purdy. I do, however, think that at some point Trey Lance is going to have to be considered. And I think part of that QB 20 price tag is like, what if Trey Lance does start the season? We've never seen a quarterback with his draft capital 
capital play as many or as few rather games as he's had. So whether he gets traded or whether at some point he takes over as the starter, it's bound to happen because his usage is absolutely unprecedented. Now, what I am actually most interested in from you talking about 2022 Tua has to be 2023 Tua. Who do you think 2023 Tua is? Is he 2022 Jalen Hurts? Is he 2022 Justin Fields? I really love Tua, and I actually think he might be the 2023 uh, Tua just because I think he's really good. We were kind of questioning whether or not he can be an incredible player based on his injuries, but when he played last year, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I love that. I think that it's really interesting to see where where someone like him can finish and if they can keep up the level of efficiency from last year. Because on a per-start basis, I mean, the efficiency that he had was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's something that you definitely want to buy in. One other thing, this is not planned on the show today, but I I wanted to just give a shout-out to uh, Ryan Heath of Fantasy Points posted a chart today of expected fantasy points per route last year. And Christian Watson actually led the NFL in actual fantasy points per route last year. Let me just give you the top 10 real quick. You need to hear this. Christian Watson was number one in fantasy points per route. Two was Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs. That is literally the top nine in fantasy points per route last year, and that was Christian Watson as a rookie. I know it's a quarterback change, but there are no players that – ever finish at that level because every other wide receiver right now is being drafted as a top 10 wide receiver Mm -hmm. so to me i am all in on christian watson do you have any last thoughts Uh, just on christian watson you've actually totally flipped i think christian watson on his head for me i was not interested in him at all but i actually took him in scott fishbowl i am really eyeballing him in some of my redraft leagues i am starting to come around on the fact that these metrics are really sticky year over year despite having a quarterback change uh i had an article that came out for free at the33rdteam.com, um, where you can check out my thoughts on why Christian Watson is going to have another good season despite the quarterback change. Yeah, I think that he is all in for something really big. And again, don't forget to check that out and check us out on the 33rd Team Podcast Network. We are going live on Twitter every single Tuesday at 2 p.m., bringing more fantasy stats and goodness to the people for the people. But until next week's episode, don't forget to keep chasing that upside and subscribe to the podcast.